0: Good evening, Star Watchers. Christy DeHaven here for the second in our series of programmes looking up at the night skies of the Isle of Man. In this seasonal series, it's now time to turn to the summer skies and I'm delighted to be speaking once more with our favourite local astronomer, Howard Parkin. And Howard... The days may be longer and the nights may be shorter. However, there's still stuff to see, isn't there? Tell us what we can see. There's always stuff
1: to see in the night sky, no matter what time of the year. You're quite right, though. After the summer solstice, which is on June the 21st, the nights don't really get dark. We don't get beyond what we call astronomical twilight between the end of May and the beginning of August. The sun does not get below 15 degrees below the horizon, so we have light skies all night, as we know to our cost when we can't sleep. But it does give us beautiful skies. And yes, I'm an astronomer and I love looking at the features of the night sky. But there is something about a twilight sky, about 10, 11 o'clock at night. I was out the other night with a journalist the the other day, and I was out with her, and the sun had gone down. The sky was that beautiful colour. And there, twinkling in the distance, was the planet Venus, the only thing you could see because it was still a light night. And even we both said, you know, you don't need the stars. Just look at the sky. It's fantastic. The colours, the, uh, the, the scenery. And of course the island in is, this weather is just absolutely beautiful. It's a stunning place to live. But there is a, a peculiar thing we can see in the night sky which most people don't realize they've seen it until they do. And these are what we call noctilucent clouds. It sounds complicated. Noctilucent means night shining. And what you're looking at is clouds that are so very, very high up. Even though the sun is below the horizon they're illuminated by the sun. And they're silvery gold silvery grey colour and they're usually in streaks in streaks across the sky and they're absolutely beautiful I hadn't seen any everyone kept talking about these NLCs as we call them we breathe them to NLCs and I'd never seen some until about four or five years ago once seen never forgotten they are absolutely beautiful and there's some fascinating stories about them, because one of the theories is they, they form on meteoric dust. When a shooting star or a meteor comes into the Earth's atmosphere, um, the slight bits of dust it leaves, the clouds seed on that. Just like we all know that snowflakes seed on um, bits of pieces in the in the sky as they come down. Uh, these noctilucent clouds are thought to form on meteoric dust. <gasps> and there's an indication that uh, it can also be indicative of global warming, which natural or man-made phenomenon, whatever, but it is indicative that they may be something to do with that. So when you look up, you need to be looking around midnight, I'll be honest with you, and you need to be looking west. And if you see what look like strange silvery glowing clouds, really enigmatic sorts of strange objects, they're noctilucent clouds, which are classed as an astronomical phenomenon, and um, lots of people report them, and uh, it's a great spot to see them for the island because we've got such a great western horizon. Yeah. So really well worth looking out for. And uh, for the next... Probably the next month, six weeks, we're going to see them. And uh, hopefully, I've seen some already this year. And uh, when we had that awful year 2020, when we had COVID, and um, there was actually a comet appeared in the sky. There was a comet appeared in the sky, uh, Comet Ison. And um, one of our members of the Astronomical Society managed to get a picture of Comet Ison Amongst some noctilucent clouds. Stunning picture of Douglas Bay uh, with noctilucent clouds behind it and the, and the, the comet, as I say. In front oh,
0: of that my... must have looked like magic. Oh, it's a
1: cracking It's in my book if anyone wants to know <laughs> if, if there's that good a picture. Kevin Deeks took that picture. It really is a cracking picture and uh, it really sums up what you can and sometimes see. So, as I said, you don't need to just go outside in the dark. Yes, it's great to go in the dark and it's great to see things in the dark and there's so much you can see. And to be fair, the after. June the 21st, the nights will start to draw in I'm afraid, and by the time we get to August, September the nights will be getting darker, and there will be far more darkness around midnight time, 11 o'clock it'll be getting dark, and the wonders of the night sky, the stars of the night sky will come out for us, and of course this is the time of year towards August, September time when we get the wonderful display of constellations known as the the Andromeda legend, the six constellations make up this wonderful story about Andromeda, which was the story about the Medusa and the, the, the monster was slain by Perseus, who married Ari, uh, uh, Andromeda and rode off into the sunset, and uh, that story is played out in the night sky, which comes out in the Alaman in about September time.
0: I love that. I I absolutely adore the links with the folklore and the kind of myths and the legends. I I
1: love that because there's so much. And what always amazes me is the fact that, yes, they're legends, they're myths and there's there's not a lot of truth to them, but there's usually a germ of truth in them from which the story evolves. And Mm -hmm. the whole story of Andromeda, which I mentioned a moment ago, hinges on the fact that there's a star called Algol and the star Algol winks. And it's called the winking eye of the demon. It winks scientifically because there's two stars, one going past the other, and as they go past the other they fainter one drops the light of the brighter one, so it appears to blink. it's a wink. And every sixty seven hours this star slowly winks and slowly comes back up to brightness.
0: So it's not like a twinkle, it's a very slow thing.
1: Very slow thing. When you think back, they didn't know what this was thousands of thousands of years ago. So, oh, that's the winking eye of the demon, the algorithm the whole story of Perseus and Madonna and the, um, all the rest
0: That's absolutely marvellous and it just adds such a kind of mystery mm. but also beautiful kind of magic to the stars which is what I it, think it about It does them.
1: because you can imagine, we're standing here in the Isle of Man mm-hmm. on one of our dark sky sites looking up at the sky just why the clock about 3-4 thousand years t- before that they would be doing exactly the same they wouldn't have the light pollution we've got but that's another yeah. story
2: My name is Megan Eves, and I am an advocate, delegate, and editor for Dark Sky International, formerly the International Dark Sky Association. Well, first of all, I suppose we should deal with the accent because you're clearly not from these parts. Tell us where you're from. Indeed, indeed. Although I, I have been living in London for 13, nearly thirteen years now, but originally I grew up in um, the southwest USA in New Mexico, which is high desert, um, beautiful open skies, and really dark skies. So. I was just gonna say yeah what is it like there it must be absolutely stunning for for star spotting it is it is and I I, yeah I mean there's just open skies it's clear it's not rainy so you get very many nights when you can see the sky and um, I think that was what led me into being interested in dark skies in the first place because living in London uh, we have a lot of light pollution and also um, lots of clouds so (laughs) Um, yeah I started to miss the sky I think living there for so long. So while you're in London then, and obviously you are advocating dark skies, how much can you actually do there? Well, I mean, that's part of the the kind of purpose for me, actually, is that most of our light pollution problems, in fact, I would say almost all of them, originate in cities, especially big metropolis like London. I mean, that's the sort of central place where light pollution is originating from, and it and it sort of glows out into the countryside from there. So like we were saying the other night, I was out with Howard, and um, we were looking across the Irish Sea and, and sort of saying, you know, on a, on a clear night, you might get a little bit of sky glow across from Dublin. Um, so in a big city, you know, obviously, we're not looking at the night sky as well as we would somewhere here like the Isle of Man where you have great skies Um, but we're looking at how we can reduce light pollution for everybody else Mm -hmm. And I take it that's obviously why you're here on the island because of course as we have spoken to Howard about on numerous occasions we have many dark sky sites. Yes absolutely my understanding is it's the most number of uh, dark sky discovery sites anywhere so um, that's really exciting and and I can testify that I was out last night. Um, It was clear and beautiful and although it is the summer solstice tomorrow and the longest day of the year so (laughs) there wasn't that much darkness but um, the skies are beautiful and you have so many lovely quiet spots to look at them. And you're writing something about the island, I believe. Tell us about that. Yeah. So my um, during the day, I uh, I'm a journalist, a travel writer, and so I'm writing an article for Wanderlust Magazine about um, where to go and see dark skies in and around the British Isles. Um, so yeah, we're looking at the Isle of Man is an amazing place because it's a kind of holiday destination to itself, but also there's so many different places you can go to look at the sky here, um, and you can kind of make your whole holiday around it if you really want to. And then there's so much to see and do during the day as well so it's a perfect fit and that's it that's the thing because it is the sort of thing that
0: potentially could attract people to actually come to the isle of man to look up and see these incredible
2: sites yeah it's it's huge and it's i mean um it's called astro tourism or dark skies tourism is growing it's a hugely growing industry um, and the places in the world that i've um sort of been researching are They're really growing and they're getting loads of revenue from it. So it's a it's a kind of a good win for everybody because, you know, dark sky protection is about also environmental protection and it's good for people's health. And it's good for our wallets because it saves money when we turn the lights down a bit. So there's like almost no downsides to it. Um, And it also brings visitors because there are so many people like me living in cities like London where we can't see the sky. So it's a great chance for people to come and see what you have. It's a natural resource. So what do we need to do as, a, you know, sort of as the Isle of Man itself, like say Isle of Man PLC, as
0: such? What do we need to do to encourage people to come and experience this?
2: I think there's two things. The first and the main one is really uh, protecting and restoring any lost skies, but protecting the skies you have is really crucial. Um, and we're living in a time where light pollution is growing. Um, I think it's ten percent every year now. So that's a staggering amount. I mean, most people in Europe and North America cannot see the Milky Way. So protecting what you have is the most crucial thing you can do. Um, Next to that is just creating spaces for people to come and letting people know, getting the word out and um, having people like Howard or um, anybody else that is interested in setting up a business. I mean, it's a great way to sort of do development because people can learn the sky and go out on tours and and it's a great sort of business to have for yourself. So yeah, getting the word out and, and keeping the protections in place if you've got them. Oh, well, do you know, it's really lovely chatting
0: to you about this and really quite inspiring as well. Where and when might be we be able to see this article of yours?
2: I think, I, I don't have a definite date, but I think it should be out towards the winter time. Um, so look for an autumn autumn winter issue of Wanderlust and it should be there. Fantastic. Well, whatever you're up to today, I think you might be going out to try and find some wallabies. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll see those. And if you are out and about again tonight, what are you hoping to see in the night sky? It's a really wonderful time to actually go out and see the kind of almost midnight sky sun that you have here which is really cool because it does get dark but not completely so last night for example i was out watching the sort of sun travel across the sky um just on the northern and eastern horizons so that's also a nice thing to see but there's lots to see after dark so just go out and look up well you have to come back again maybe when there's some shorter days and see if you can see the the northern lights from the island which you can as well which is super exciting too that's my bucket list (laughs)
0: We had uh, Megan Eves over, this journalist, who came especially to see the dark skies over here. And uh, she mentioned the whole um, issue of light pollution, which I know is something that you're also very passionate about. So so so. So tell us a little bit about it.
1: Well, it's one of those things that we are literally destroying the night. One of the lectures I do is let's give our children back the wonders of the night because we're obsessed with lighting. And I am obsessed with lighting, and I have nothing... I've said this so many times for so many people. I have nothing against appropriate lighting. If you need a light in a building or a house or a property or a street or whatever, have a light. But don't put thousands and thousands of lights on. It costs energy. There's an environmental impact of these lights, never mind the fact that they destroy the night sky and people don't get to see the Milky Way. And the Milky Way can only be seen from places with good dark skies. The Art of Man is one of them. We can see the Milky Way spectacularly any night of the year when there's no moon the moon incidentally is the biggest source of light pollution there is because when the moon's out uh, you can't see the Milky Way Put it out moon Absolutely <laughs> terrible sort of light pollution we need to we need to get it covered up but you know what really saddened me was I was uh, on, holiday, on a trip a few weeks ago um, in Norway actually and an American gentleman came up to me and said can you show me the Milky Way and I said well, if we get a clear night which we did I'd love to show the Milky Way why, why? Because I've never seen it I've heard about it and I've never seen it and that is so sad I think a lot of people I probably haven't to be honest though yeah but it's so easy to see all mm. you need is a dark location and you know Christy if you have got a street light in front of you or behind you just put your hand literally up in front of your face to occult to the light from you, and you'll see so much more. Yeah, It doesn't take a lot. I mean, my back garden, we've got a street light in our road, and I don't object to that. It's, it's, it's one of a few lights, I don't complain. But I just make sure I stand... Behind my house in my back garden, the streetlight, you can see the shadow on the grass, but it doesn't matter. I've got a spectacular view of the southern sky, including, of course, the Milky Way.
0: Yeah, it is a magical thing when you do see it. You know, it's like a stripe almost across the sky. It's incredible, I, isn't I it? I must
1: have told you the story. I've told lots of people this story, and forgive me for repeating myself, but uh, we were at the top of Snaffel doing the pie in the sky a few years ago, and the lady came up to me and said, oh, what a wonderful night for stargazing, but what a shame about that cloud. <gasps> And she I thought said, it that was a cloud. cloud is the Milky Way. She was absolutely amazed, and uh, that is how good it can be.
0: Oh, the many, many stars all coming together and stretching across the sky it like that—it it is, is, is spectacular. And you said, of course, the days are going to start getting shorter, but it, but it yeah. does mean that we'll have more opportunity to see things. So towards the end of the summer, for instance, well, the there's quite a the lot going on.
1: Yeah, and of course we have the wonderful display of the Perseid Meters. Yes. Now the Perseid Meters is one of the best showers of the year, and this year it is forecast to be even better because as the Earth this is the scientific boring bit apologies but as the Earth goes round the Sun it passes through debris left over from past comets Comet Temple in this case and this material is in clumps clumps of material spread out around the Earth's orbit uh, or the comet's orbit I should say and what's happened is the Earth is going through a particular bit this August that is quite thick in dust or thick in material so as a consequence they're predicting that the shower shower this year might be more spectacular than other years Mm. so we could see up to 100 metres an hour
0: no so way. That Which is a
1: lot. That's the sort of maximum you ever get from the, the Persids. And to see the Persids, all you need to be doing is looking towards the eastern horizon around midnight. Again, I've said this before and I'll no doubt say it again. As the Earth faces the direction of travel, like a car with the rain hitting the windscreen rather than the back window, uh, as the Earth faces the direction of travel after midnight, and um, you're going to see more meteors. And that's what we get to see. And I'm particularly looking out for it because this year is particularly good because there's not going to be any moonlight to interfere. The moon is new a few days before, I think it is. Not sure if it's before or after. But the moon is new, so uh, we won't get to see the moon interfering with the faint meteors we might see or, indeed, the very bright ones. So, note for the diary, uh, 12th of August, thereabouts, a few days before, a few days after, well worth looking out for. And I've done this on Manx Radio over the years. I've said every time, I guarantee, if we get clear weather you'll see at least one metre if you stay outside under a dark sky for at least half an hour.
0: That's Howard Parkins' guarantee. I've
1: never been let down by that yet.
0: And also, it's just around the time of both your your birthday of course. and my dad's birthday. Well, of course. So it's like they've come out especially. Exactly.
1: <laughs> the, the birthday candles with a special, um, special twist.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, you also mentioned to me before um, that Venus is disappearing. What do I'm you mean by this? So.
1: Well, again, this, the boring scientific thing is that Venus is disappearing because imagine... Um, We're looking at each other in the studio now And imagine my head is the Earth And your head is the Sun Okay. Well Venus is over here to the side And it's travelling between the Earth and the Sun It's going to pass between the Earth and the Sun and that's exactly what happens. It has been as far away from the sun as it can get and what yeah. we call elongation. It is now going to travel down and pass between the Earth and the sun around mid-August, I'm not sure the exact date. And when it does, of course, it'll disappear, it won't mm-hmm. be seen because it's too close to the sun for a few weeks. And then it'll re-emerge in the morning sky in September, October time and be visible in the morning sky for a number of months before the same thing will happen. But this time it'll go around the back of the sun and then reappear in the evening sky. And it swaps over at regular intervals, about every 15 months, I think it is, it swaps over. And it's so spectacular at the moment because we've had this, what we call the apparition of Venus, which has been going on since about January. And, of course, it's got higher and higher and higher as it's pulled away from the sun, and now it's going back down towards the sun. And we've had spectacular weather. And Mm. I sit in my home at uh, night now, and I've been watching Venus And it changes, but every night it's in a slightly different position. And now, of course, it's noticeably dropping closer towards the sun as it uh, will go for what we call inferior conjunction. Again, technical term is passing between the Earth and the sun. But you know, interestingly enough, there's a lovely Manx link to the, the phenomenon of Venus passing between the Earth and the sun. The planets are not all lined up together. They have slight inclination on their orbits. And Venus, every 115 years, goes across the face of the sun. Actually can be seen using proper um, protected equipment. You can actually see a disk of Venus passing across the face of the sun. This happened in 2004. It happened again in 2012. The next one is 2117 or something like that. So So does it look
0: like a little dot or something? Just a
1: tiny black dot going across the face of the sun. The first guy to predict that was a chap living in Ormskirk in, I think it was 1687. Forgive me if I got the date wrong. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. He couldn't see it because it was on a Sunday and he couldn't see it because he was a clergyman. So he had to attend to his pastoral duties. He told his friend, a chap called Crabtree, Horrocks told Crabtree and Crabtree saw it. And he was the first guy to ever see a transit of the planet Venus. Where's this going? I can see it in your face. Where's he going with this? There's a Manx connection because Crabtree, when they built Manchester Town Hall, they wanted to commemorate this wonderful scientific fact. The artist Ford Maddox Brown was tasked with painting this wonderful painting and he wanted someone to play the part of Crabtree and model for him. He used Hall Kane. The, the author, Hall and author, Hall. author, Hall Kane. And if you go to Manchester Town Hall, you'll see this image of this chap with a little goatee beard looking at the transit of Venus. That's Hall Kane, the model of Ford Maddox Brown depicting Crabtree seeing the transit of Venus in
0: 1687.
1: Oh, I love that there's was that. Was, that was, Isle of it, was it worth name. it in the end? It was, it was. I really. They Manx link, but I I use any link I can. Hold on on to that. A lovely sequel to that was I was working for Manx National Heritage and we had a museums conference to go to at Manchester Town Hall, would you believe? And guess where the Manx National Heritage stand was placed? Right in front of the painting afford Maddox Brown's transit of Venus. Of I Compton. hope
0: you told everybody.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've got a fantastic <laughs> picture of me pointed to with a big beam on my face.
0: <laughs> well, listen, we should mention as well that something else that will be happening um, in just a couple months' time, the renaming of the observatory.
1: Yes. Really sad about it, but pleased about it as well because James Martin, as we told everyone at the beginning of the year, James Martin, one of our founder members and one of the very, very keen, had so much to do with the Astronomical Society. He passed away uh, in January and we are very sad about that. Uh, but we took decision in the Astronomical Society to rename the observatory after him. So the Isle of Man Astronomical Society Observatory in Foxdale is going to be renamed on the 3rd of August as the James Martin Observatory and his widow Shirley is going to unveil a plaque which we'll have on the wall and it'll be forever known as the James Martin Observatory or probably the JMO which made Shirley laugh when I told her that because Americans always have acronyms for everything so we now go to the JMO not the Alaman, the I-O-M-A-S-O-O and um, we're looking forward to doing it it's a sad moment but at the same time it's a fitting tribute to the guy who did so much for us in astronomical Mm -hmm. society
0: an excellent legacy it really is a lovely thing um well we also talked with um the journalist that you mentioned so we had a chat with uh, mm-hmm. Megan and talked about her article so that will be coming out in Wanderlust towards the end of the year mm-hmm. so do keep an eye on that I but certainly will. it sounds like again she was most impressed and I think has been completely blown away by what she's seen here on the yeah, island she has we,
1: we we took around I took about 10 of the dark sky sites and uh, as I say the night in particular we uh, went to the Faulty Will which is my favorite one oh, the I reservoir love will. The, the car park at the new reservoir at Faulty Will there and um, we were stood there it was still broad daylight and you we we could just make out Venus, oh. and we saw Venus there and thought, "Wow, you know, at least we saw an astronomical object." But even, she said, it was just such a beautiful night, and they uh, made us realise how wonderful the sky can be, even without the stars and the yeah. planets.
0: Yeah, in theory, the island could be a dark skies island, could it not?
1: Yes, it could. And I proposed this and suggested this, and I don't want to go over. Um, a contentious subject, but I made the suggestion back in 2012-13 that we could actually apply to become the world's first Dark Skies nation. Uh, We had the 26 Dark Sky sites. We've got control. We've got our own management of the island and uh, corporacy and all that sort of stuff. Uh, But it was decided not to do so. And uh, I've been banging the drum and trying to persuade people to do that uh, over the years. I've not done it so much recently. Uh, But what was... Sad, really, supposed to mention in a magazine I got only a few days ago. It talks about the fact that Bardsea Island off the coast of North Wales has been made a dark sky sanctuary. It's just like um, the calf of man. We mm-hmm. could have the Calf of Man as one on that, but never mind. But what really depressed me is it says here, and Bardsey Island is just off the Linn Peninsula of Wales, so literally straight south of us, just mm-hmm. beyond, beyond past Anglesey. Bardsey's main source of light pollution is Dublin, 70 miles away across the Irish Sea, just like it is to us. It is hoped that Bardsey's new dark sky sanctuary status will be another step towards Wales becoming the world's first dark sky nation. No. That could have been us!
0: oh do you know what if anyone in port listening please make it happen before Wales get it exactly. we want it well
1: Wales and New Zealand are vying to be the first world dark skies nation oh. and uh, we could have been we we were in with a shout for doing that 10 years ago
0: are you suggesting it's too late now
1: it might be too late I think the Wales and the New Zealanders have probably got their applications in for a number of sites what Wales have done to be fair is they've had a, a number of sites designated as international dark skies areas uh, but they've now had a number of sites Anglesey Innismon, um has been named as one parts of Snowdonia is a dark sky reserve uh, this island I just mentioned and right down the south of Wales there's another one they've got about four now internationally acclaimed dark sky areas uh, so I think their next step is to say well, look we want the whole of Wales to be a dark skies nation mm. and uh, good luck to them if they get it I'll be kicking things round the back garden <laughs> we'll have to tell the cat to go away for a little while if that happens but uh oh. I'd rather Wales got it than New Zealand got it. Um, but on the other hand, I'd rather the Isle of Man got it ahead of everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, do you know what? We're still so grateful for your ambassadorship for all of this. Thank you. And the way you promote the island and what we have here is magnificent. And in fact, you're off again uh, to go and talk about the skies off somewhere else. Where are you going this time?
1: Off to the Baltic. Off to the Iceland. And yeah.
0: Oh, how lovely. And I've no doubt you'll be talking about the Isle of Man as well while you're Oh, I you're most certainly there. will.
1: But you know, even on the ships, they say to me, you're going to be doing stargazing on the decks of the ship? Uh, no, it's broad daylight It's <laughs> um, it, further north you go with Iceland I mean you into the land of the all midnight sun right, practically yeah. I always remember being on a ship years ago We went to a disco having a bit of a bop when I was a bit younger And we went to this nightclub on board the ship Which was on the top deck of the ship And we had a drink, we had a bit of a dance And it was all pitch black and lasers and all the rest We came outside, it was broad daylight <laughs> <That's> <laughs> You don't stuff. come out of a nightclub Into the broad daylight, do you? I mean, all I
0: can think about now, Howard, is you having a rave, which
1: is <laughs> a great a image.
0: It's a great yeah. image. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we'd better leave you with that one.
0: Yeah, leave you with your glow sticks. Off you go. Thank you. Have a good rave and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers, <laughs> Thanks Howard. Thanks
1: very much. Bye-bye, Christy.